This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the MagicWordPodcast.com. Well, we are now going to go into our second and final episode of our two-part special showing you a little bit behind the scenes of what it's like in the filming and production of season nine of Masters of Illusion on the CW Network. As you heard last week, uh, had a lot of hubbub, a lot of things are going on, and it's difficult to try to catch people in the hallways and wherever I can, in the dressing rooms, etc., just to have a few snippets and times of conversation. And everybody is uh, certainly focused on what they're trying to do. Everyone is professional and friendly and just the most helpful they could be in any and every regard to make sure that it is a successful production year after year, I'm sure. And so, again, this was my first time that I had done this. And it was just a, a lot of fun. And uh, last night's show, which aired on the CW Network, that is on December the 14th. Today is the 15th. But last night on the 14th is when the season kicked off, if you will, with the Christmas special. It was a one-hour Christmas special that was shot during this time. What they do is they, as I mentioned before, they shoot a few tricks at one time while the magician is there, and then they will kind of segment those over a period of time. But every, several of them came, I start to say everyone, but several of them came with a specific trick to do for their Christmas special. And during that time, they would change the background, the scenery and everything to give it that Christmas look. And so this was the beginning of the season nine, but with the Christmas special, the official season won't kick off until, as I understand it, sometime in early February, when hopefully, fingers crossed, they will begin again with uh, filming of season 10. If you were watching the show from last night, or you had recorded it and go back and, and watch it, I was in the audience from time to time. They had us in the audience moving about from place to place so that whenever they took pictures or shots of the audience that they I didn't see the same people sitting together week after week, but they kind of had to spread out. And uh, a couple of times I was in the front row, and I think you can perhaps spot this old white-haired, kind of partially balding guy who was in the front row. Uh, in fact, uh, when Murray Sawcheck had performed, he had handed me his coloring book, Christmas coloring book, uh, in that. And uh, also, it was very nice because I had helped with the uh, doing a little bit of consulting work there with uh, May Wen, who you'll hear later in this episode. Uh, so they had me in the credits. So uh, the credits do move pretty fast, but uh, if you... If you get the pod letter, you'll get a shot of the credits that I had taken. Uh, so it's the first time I've had my name on the television screen for uh, credits for a close-up consultant. Anyhow, that was great, and I want to thank Gabe Laxone very much for that opportunity to to do just that and to work with a magician. So I hope you're coming back this week because you enjoyed last week's episode with part one. And so now we will continue with episode two from Behind the Camera, at the taping of Masters of Illusion, beginning with a chat with Carissa Hendricks as Lucy Darling here on The Magic Word. So, 
So now we are uh, uh, talking with someone else who is uh, one of the uh, talent on the Masters of Illusion. And please welcome Lucy Darling. Hey, Lucy. Hello, darling. <laughs> awesomely good to see you. I really enjoyed the uh, show that you had done. How many bits did you do? I mean, ta- uh, uh, I think I did six. So I did four full routines and then two little quick things with Dean Kate. Okay. And the little thing you did with the uh, ring and the chain, what did you say? Was yeah. So I, uh, I've been doing ring and chain for years. I think it's great. And also, you know, it's, it's sort of falling out of fashion. I don't know if you've noticed with my work, I prefer to do things that are a bit out of style um, <laughs> and then throw style all over them. Uh, but the finish on it is something that uh, Jordan Gold and I actually came up with separately a few years ago about the same time. So we have, we both have this like cute little finish on it that I don't think anyone else has come up with. So it was nice to get, get it on TV because then I could go, look, I, look what I did. You yes. know, you get a little... It gets locked in time a bit. Right, right. And so in preparing for this, those are some things that you specifically chose to do for this that were out of your regular routine or some things you may not do again? Or Yeah, so the ring and string is from my close-up show. I, Lucy, as a Lucy, I basically never do it. The matchbook thing, uh, I've never done that before. You know, I was hanging out with Bizarro, and we were talking about things that I could do in a minute that would be kind of cute, and he mentioned this trick, and... We had this idea of revamping it and changing it a bit and, and making it a little bit more upscale. And uh, I thought it was really fun. And I got to do a little put pocket element, which is nice. Because mm-hmm. I haven't done any put pocket stuff since I was a street performer. So it's really, that was sort of a fun thing to like right. dust off that skill. And uh, <laughs> but every, Oh, and also the um, the hydrostatic with the ice is, is uh, something I, I did for the online show. I created it for the online that show. That was a beautiful thing, by the way. Thank you. Yes. I think it went really nicely. <laughs> you know, I think my thing I was most proud of is they kept saying, you know, if you need to start over a step back, Step back, and I had it in my head. I only want to do one take. One take. I just, I just want to go from beginning to end, and so all six routines from beginning to end, one take, felt really good. Well, the hydrostatic glass is traditionally done, of course, just with liquid, but you had added something with the ice. It's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So the idea, you know, because I, I think with hydrostatic, I love that routine, but I think for Lucy, I just wanted there to be an extra aspect. So the idea, you know, that it freezes, and I know a few people have had that idea, but the ice that appears in the glass, I think, is really visual with the smoke and all those elements. And my hope was because of the way they're filming it. I can do something that, you know, has a kind of an angle issue. But because I trust them to be careful about the angle, I'm hoping that the aspect... They had like nine different cameras, so they're going to make it look best. I hope so. That's the one thing that I'm like, hmm, we're going to find out if I made a bad call. But everything else is angle-proof. That was the one thing, and I did did talk to the camera guys and go, okay, this one's only good from this one spot. (laughs) I know also that they go on tour with the Masters of Illusion. Have they talked with you, or have you thought, or even if would you want to? I mean, now that you're with William Morris, you've had time to go on a tour. (laughs) Well, I I just did the tour with Magical Sir Christmas. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of fun. That was my first big national tour like that. And I I still have a bit of whiplash from it. I mean, if uh, if Magical Sir invites me back, of course, I'll do it. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure that I can handle more than one of those a year. So we We'll see. Uh, no commitments. Who knows? Now, this is the first year you work with Masters also. Is that right? Yes, yeah. We, they've invited me before, but the timing has never worked out. And you said they've treated you like a princess. They've treated me like a princess. I, I don't think I was there for more than four and a half hours. I showed up, got into hair and makeup, shot six things, yep. and left. It was so easy. That was what they were saying during the production meeting in the morning when you were there with the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. They had no idea who you were. And then later when you came <laughs> in, Lucy Darling, completely different character, and you were dressed up and everything then as well. 
that uh, you just were completely, it's like, wow, this is the same lady we saw this morning? Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. So you're hoping to come back uh, and do it in the future? I, I think so. I mean, they, experience were, they were, yes, it was very good. And there were three things that I wanted to do for the show that weren't really quite ready in time. You know, one thing I forgot to bring, uh, one of my ear, new earring routines, uh, and a few other things that, I, you know, I really thought they'd be good for the show, but I, you know, I left them at home or I, right. they didn't get finished in time. So I, I do already have stuff in extra if I decide to do it, but it's, it's, who knows? Who knows? You know, I've, right. the global pandemic has taught me, don't make plans, don't get excited about anything. So if it happens, great, who, but who knows? Which is another thing. You certainly rocked it during the pandemic with all of your Zoom shows and everything. It's, it's great. So. Thank you. Congratulations, and it was a lot of fun. I'm uh, glad we got a chance to uh, catch up uh, again. As you had said when we were at the TAOM, all you need to do is listen to these podcasts, and you can plot my career. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Lucy Darling. Scotty out. Bye-bye. Well, as this day, final day of uh, taping is going to be, well, be more, maybe perhaps later, but at least as far as this week's taping goes, uh, I want to talk with someone who is actually the host, uh, not only this year, but of previous years as well. Please welcome Dean Kane. Hey there, Dean. Yeah, I love that guy. He's great. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's oh, me. that guy. Oh, that's, that's me. Right. I'm him. <laughs> so how many years? You've been doing this since the very first season, right? You know what? I, I, there might have been one or two seasons before I got going. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think I'm on seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. I don't yeah. know. Is it all? You should have all been on the CW then. And there was on another network before, I believe. I believe so. But okay. I think I started with it when it was the CW. But you're so. kind of the CW guy. I, mean, I, I do a lot for them, yeah. It's I was going to say, so this way, I mean, you, you're a host, you had some other TV show before, and I, I have a, a number of shows on the CW, <laughs> absolutely. But although, way back in the day, Lois and Clark was on ABC. Okay. Before the CW even existed. That's how old I am. Was that the Paramount back then, or the WB, or something like that? Before all that. Oh, well, before before that. any of those. You don't Sorry. look that old, my friend. Thank you. That's right. That's <laughs> so, magic. Yeah. So a number of years you've been doing this, I just wanted to ask, uh, have you been asked about before, but have, what's your favorite act or something. I mean, you get fooled. I, mean, you're not a I magician, get fooled all the time. So, yeah. I'm not a magician. I love the close-up stuff. I love the close-up mm-hmm. magic uh, mm-hmm. be, just because I can't figure it out and it's mm-hmm. right there. It's right in front of your eyes. Yeah, I love that stuff. So that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just fun and you get a good laugh out of it and, you know, I try to catch, figure out what's going on, but I, I, I'm terrible. I'm like the perfect dupe. <laughs> but if you don't remember necessarily the person's name who might have been, who fooled you with the best trick, do you remember the trick that's like, was there a coin or card or something, a close-up that... Uh, there's like, been coins, there's been cards, there's been, I mean, you name it. <laughs> you there's fooled been you. bottles, there's been You're everything. You're like a perfect volunteer then. I am literally the perfect volunteer because I don't know what's going on, and I'm always afraid something's going to explode or something's going to happen or... I don't know. They're going to pull something out of one of my orifices, and that's not right. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's, that's not. Well, I know it didn't come out of that. I mean, no, right. it didn't come out. Well, of it's it. a family show, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we had a fun one today, and I couldn't figure it out with the with the. Chain oh, with Lucy and, Darling. With Lucy Darling, mm-hmm. I couldn't figure it out, and I was, I was part of the trick, but I don't know how that happened. It, well, it's completely different. That wasn't cards or coins either. No, well, it yeah. was it was jewelry. You want to explain this for the people who are at home? They can. Look so she came to out with uh, telling me that it was uh, it was a stress test thing. This mm-hmm. this thing could stress. T- it was a a circular piece of jewelry and a and a a, a chain. chain but she would like make the, the chain suddenly attached to the apparently it was me because i was stressed and that made mm-hmm. it attach it but then i then she had me you know put my thumbs together through the through, through the chain through the circular thing was the chain was attached i couldn't figure anything out and i was part of the trick and i know my thumbs stayed together so she's a magician <laughs> she is well thanks dean he's back he's got uh, called away <laughs> for the next little bit of this recording. So there he was, a uh, quick bit with uh, Dean Kane, Scotty out. So 
The, uh, we are getting near the end of the day and starting to have a wrap, and I knew this was going to be a long one, and here we are getting close to 9 p.m. we still got a few more to go. And uh, so it was a longer day. Each day seems to get longer and longer. Good thing we don't have another fourth day, I guess, coming out, or that fifth seems like 19. Anyhow, I got with me uh, one of the only mentalists, I think, that was on the show here this year, uh, Wayne Hoffman. Hey there, Wayne. Hey, hey. <laughs> so glad to uh, meet you. haven't uh, made the acquaintance uh, here with you before. Where are you from, by the way? Uh, I live in Florida currently. Originally from uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I lived here in uh, LA for about seven years. So I went Pennsylvania, LA, and now sunny Florida. <laughs> kind of hitting all the coasts. There's something yeah. about okay, the water you must like. I yeah, I, I just keep I keep people on their toes. You never know where I'll end up. And it's interesting. Also, the kind of things you do is not just mentalism, but it's danger types of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I have gone through everything in the world of magic. I had a dove act. I did escapes. I did large illusions, and I. Really really found my home with mentalism. Um, I find that for television, danger works well, and I think producers love when I do the danger stuff. Yeah. So I've almost been pigeonholed as a danger act, even though really my, uh, I, I'd say 95% of what I do is, is just pure mentalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, we can do a whole podcast and getting into that about how you got started in mentalism. I really went to behind the scenes about this. I assume this is your first time on Masters? Yeah, this is my first time here. Yeah. So... The question is always asked, how do you get on Masters? So what did you do or how did they discover you? Yeah, so I uh, I had known uh, Gay Blackstone and we had interacted uh, at the Magic Castle. And, you know, watching the show for so many years, I reached out to her and I said, hey, uh, you know, I, I think I'd like to be on the show this year. Mm-hmm. And she wrote me wrote me right back and said, great, you know, well, let's create something. And, uh, and one thing led to another and now I'm talking to you. Well, there we go. <laughs> How'd you feel it went? I thought it was good, but how? How'd you feel when? Yeah, it's great. You know, anytime you do something for television, you're always thinking about the camera. It's it's a bit different than performing for a live audience. True. And you know you have time constraints, too. I, this is not my show. This is a show with many other illusionists. So, you know, you, you're cognizant of the time. You're thinking more about camera angles and from the production. But I thought it went great. Yeah, every, I, everything worked. I think it did as well. And one thing, too, of course, that they really try to make magic. The camera, they got like nine cameras in here. And they try to make everything look great. And they're going to put it all together right. I have been on the TV shows before and I remember one time which I was doing cups and balls and I had not talked with a cameraman beforehand. So he was following my hands rather than my direction as I was talking with the announcer and you could see the loads. It's like when I was watching that, it was like a lesson instead of, <laughs> instead of magic. You know? Yeah, learn, it's learn learn. something to think about for sure. You know, that's that's why uh, the cameramen are your friend. Yes. You know, you, you want to talk to them, let them know what to do, you know. And, and I, I try to personally strive to make sure my things are angle friendly for the most part, especially for television, but it's great when you have a team like here at Masters of Illusion where they're on your side and, you know, they want to make you look good. That's exactly right. Well, another thing is, of course, when it's mentalism, there is not necessarily a lot of process to see. That's right. Yeah, with mentalism, you know, I like making mentalism as visual as I can. I always say if you can put the TV on mute and still understand what's going on, then you're doing it right. Uh, But yeah, I got lucky. You know, I see a lot of the large illusions rolling through here. And a lot of the guys doing things that might have, uh, you know, things that uh, that are angly, as they yeah. say. Um, but yeah, with mentalism, you know, there's that's the blessing. You don't have to move any furniture, and you don't have to worry too much about. When the I see angles. you moving all of your stuff in and out, you have a couple of suitcases, you're, you've got. Oh, and you know what? Those those are all personal things. My laptop, my clothing. Okay. Yeah, I actually, as a mentalist, and and sorry to all the guys with the big semi trucks, but I I can uh, walk into a room with nothing more than a pencil 
pencil case and do my show. So yeah. uh, I almost, I feel though I should be sponsored by an office supply store. <laughs> <laughs> One nice thing I think also about television, just like because it is like a real show, because in a real show you can do pre-show, because my listeners I know what I'm talking about, that you can do also on TV. So that's why people might think when they're watching this, oh, you know, well, there was something done. No, this was, they were, everyone was really genuine, re, genuinely reacting and the way they would normally, even if they had had a pre-show. Right, yeah, that, that's, I mean, you know, anytime you perform, you, you especially television, but anytime, you hope for those genuine, over-the-top reactions. And I think the only way you're going to get that is by letting the audience members experience things the exact way they would if they were in, in, in the show live, uh, you know, and, and for the first time. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's important to get those genuine reactions. And that is another good point, because when I was saying pre-show, actually, I mean to say that is a, those are processes that the audience can still see, but because of cons- time constraints, the process is not interesting for TV. But it still has to be done in order for everything to happen. But you kind of get rid of all that. So if you're doing it in the context of the show, it's not really a pre-show. It's, it's kind of during the show. But it's part of the process. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I you know, any anytime you do television, you want to cut the fat. Yeah, so if there's, to thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah you gotta you gotta trim it down and get right to the punch. You know, and especially today, people's attention spans are short. Um, and uh, you know, you gotta get to the 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 the, the whiz bang, as I call it. Get I like to that. the get yep. to the punchline. Yep. So uh, what is your long-term goal? What are you looking to? Uh, do from here? That's a great question. So I just booked my first arena, which is mind-boggling. Like I, you know, it's funny because I grew up watching Magic on television as a little boy growing up in Pennsylvania. And every year when the Magic shows would come on, I just watch and I'd be enthralled by it. And it's kind of funny being on the other side of the camera now. So it's it's. I, I was speak, speaking with my manager uh, today, and I said, you know, I just it just hit me. I used to watch these shows, and now I'm I'm doing them. And some kid might be watching what I'm doing, and hopefully be inspired uh so yeah that after after you know getting into the arena uh, world uh i think my next stop is to do my own show you know masters mm-hmm. has a great lineup of some of the best talent in the world uh but i think my focus is going to be on getting my own show and you know being able to show my art form uh and and do my own thing and when you're saying show you mean television show that's right yes yes we have the live shows going but the te- television uh online netflix you know uh, and, and Anything where you get to create uh, a visual um, and, and make it your own. Right. I yeah. like that. Wayne, thank you very much. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. So, for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Wayne Hoffman. <laughs> Scotty out. <laughs> All right. Well, we are now in a more quiet place, getting out of the area where we just were, where there was a lot of uh, foot traffic, and now coming over into the dressing room for The Conjurers with Natasha and Matthew. Hey, guys. Hi, thank you. Hey, hello. Thank you for your time. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for sharing your magic with us as well. Uh, would you have, like, four different pieces here? Yes, yeah, so four different ones today. So a Christmas one that we're super excited about being seen, and then three other ones to be sporadically placed through the series. I thought that was interesting when you were talking about crackers. I know what crackers are, and of course this is an international audience, but I was wondering how many Americans are going to say, what 
are you talking about? I'm expecting like saltines or something, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's quite a lot of Americans that go, a Christmas cracker? What's that? <laughs> uh, but yeah, in the UK, we have them on our Christmas trees. We have them just before dinner, after dinner. It's a thing that we have a lot during Christmas. Yes, they're like cylindrical tubes that one person pulls one end and the other person pulls the other Inside is a tiny firework. It's very safe. And <laughs> as you pull it, a little hat falls out. The hats are awful, but everyone has to wear them. There's a little joke in there and normally a gift. Mm-hmm. But inside ours is an impossible prediction. Yeah, that was it's brilliant. I just thought it was a, a very uh, clever idea. And that's what I was going to ask you also, as far as the routines that you came up with, they had to be truncated a little bit, I think, in order to try to fit this, because I'm sure you have probably a 90-minute show you'd normally do. Well, we've got three yeah. two-hour theatre shows, so we've okay. got a variation of shows that we do and that we tour. And, yeah, I mean, it was just trying to find a cherry-picking things that we love, things that we enjoy doing and that we wanted to show to the world and sort of express our love for individual things. But then, you're right, we have to cut them down from... 12 minutes sometimes to three mm-hmm. and knowing what to take out is interesting and it's been fun for us mm-hmm. and hopefully it comes across well in the end result yeah it's an exciting challenge when you have a piece that's about 16 minutes long and then all of a sudden it needs to be three minutes <laughs> but that's been fun yeah it's such a fun challenge because it's a challenge that we never have mm-hmm. we have the luxury of always having our own show or the majority of the time and therefore we can make things as long or as short as we like mm-hmm. so to have to work to constraints has been really lovely it's been nice to make us hone down and perfect and get to the ending quicker. And I think it's it's helped us. Like We've both loved today. It's been super fun. Yeah, we thoroughly enjoyed it. So have you done this for the BBC overseas as well? So that way you kind of already have some TV experience? Then, yeah, or? so we actually got engaged on stage. No, so This sounds like a story here. Yeah, yeah. So I was Aladdin and Tash was Jasmine in a big show in England. And in front of 2,300 people, we got engaged. Now, you proposed and she said... Yes! (laughs) Luckily, now I did have a dancer as a backup that I was going to... All right, here we go. I'd take that back. I'm joking. Um, But what we did do is that was filmed, not by us, by somebody in the audience. So we went to sleep. And to circle back to your question, overnight, that got 2.3 million views online. It went sort of super viral. So from that, we were very blessed to go and do a lot of TV... All over the world. Tash hosted a television show in Japan for 50 episodes. You speak yes. any Japanese? I actually don't. No, it's okay. all in English. <laughs> you just subtitled and sort of overdubbed. Overdubbed. But it was right. a great learning curve from radio. Being able to think of things that are audible and things that work over this medium has been brilliant. And then working to cameras and having time constraints and restraints has been brilliant as well. So we haven't done a huge amount. We did Penn and Teller's Fallers, but I... I'm not saying it because we're here. Today has probably been one of my favourite days in 14 years of doing this job. I've loved it so much. Now, speaking of Penn and Teller Fool Us, uh, let me ask, did you fool them? I don't recall. We didn't fool them, um, but if you don't recall, let's say we did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're very clever. (laughs) But was that what perhaps impressed Gay Blackstone to say, hey, let's get these guys over? Yeah, maybe. So we... The fact that you're a handsome and beautiful couple. Oh, Oh, thank you so much. Lots of makeup right now. But we, obviously, we hit the pandemic and we were entrusted with finding the UK acts. And we also found the venue, we found the team, the sort of the talent. So we were helping with the construction and the production of Fallers. And that was a brilliant, luxurious place to be. And we got to see it from the other side. Mm -hmm. And then we did the show. However, we did the show in England in a small theatre. And it was brilliant. But I still kind of yearn to do the Vegas version just to say we've been there and done it. But the routine that we did, we're proud of. And... Yeah, it was really fun. And I think we've done the Chicago Magic Lounge recently and we've done other places. 
And Magic Castle here in town, Magic LA. Magic Castle. Uh, we went to visit the other day. Hopefully we're going to perform there very soon. Did Late Night Magic in Las Vegas, which, I mean, I'm not an emotional person, but to say that we performed here today and in Las Vegas and Chicago in the last three weeks, I mean, if you told that... You're on to, cloud nine, right? Yeah. Like, if you told that to... time seven, right now, yeah. yeah. Seven-year-old me wouldn't believe it. And even now sitting here... Well, you're I, only eight now. I mean, you look so young. <laughs> well, it's, it's nine, but thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it really has been a dream. Yeah, it has. And we are so interested in the uh, background of everything and the tech. So today has been so fun to sit and watch the setup and the lights and the cameras. That's been so exciting for us. Yeah, and also we work on our own a lot. So predominantly it's just Natasha and I doing the Conjurer show and we have our tech team and our crew, but there's no other performers there. Mm -hmm. So what we found in Vegas and here and other places, just to sit backstage and pick the brains of other people that are far more talented and people that have ideas and we can share ours and you have this amalgamation of magic. It's really inspiring and mm -hmm. it's just been, and I keep saying it, but just such a lovely day. I really, really loved it and I feel like, what a dream. Like step outside and the Hollywood Hills are there and just oh, filmed a TV show. This is the place to be. It's beautiful here. We love it. We love everything that's going on. And like Matthew said, being around creative people, it's so inspiring and everyone's really kind. <laughs> yeah, and that's not just the performers. The creative people goes from the people that just sort of spot the lights and the people yeah. that our screens we'd seen the show before, Master of Illusion, and we said, look, normally we're very protective over our screens, what's on behind us. And we said, just do what you think. And everyone today has exceeded our expectations. It's been just tremendous. Well, where do you do your shows when you're talking about your two-hour two shows? I mean, you in the West End or where uh, you so we, travel about? Or? Yes, we did the Duchess Theatre in the West End before COVID, but we do a lot of cruise ships. So we do sort of the big, we headline. So we just launched England's biggest cruise ship ever, um, which is called Iona. It's a 7,000-seater cruise liner. We launched that. We headlined it for the... Wait, 7,000 seat, you mean passenger? Passenger. Yeah, not 7,000-seat yeah, so theatre. No, the, the, the <laughs> venue is 1,500, okay. but we do three shows a night. Mm. So we do a turnover of 4,500 people in the evening, and each show is an hour long. Mm -hmm. um, but then later on in their cruise, we'll do part two of that. So then they get the second half, so they get a two-hour experience. And in between, we'll go and do tables, and we'll do a late-night mind-reading show at one in the morning, and a card show and all kinds. So we are kind of the resident magicians and we provide magic from the start of their voyage to the very end. Mm -hmm. But we also do theatre tours and we kind of just pop up in places. We're kind of a little bit underground, which we're now starting yeah. to not be, which is really lovely. Like fringe festivals? Yeah, we've done a few fringe festivals, mm -hmm. but we've also done like, we have comedy acts mm -hmm. that do arenas. We just pop up and do 20 minutes before their show. Big boy bands that do sort of 16,000 seaters will go and do three illusions before their show. And yeah. we kind of just here, there and everywhere. We love the variety and this is what magic gives us. It gives us the variety to do such a range of different shows and meet so many different acts. We have so much fun doing this too. You sound Scottish. Ha! I was born in Scotland <laughs> and that's funny you should say that because since I've been in America <laughs> I feel like my accent is changing. So, <laughs> so there was a day in the Chicago Magic Lounge. I'm not sure if Tash reminded me telling you this or not. Oh, please don't. So, because Tash in her head thought that she was going American, yes. she went mid-show to, like, Mary Poppins. So, she was talking, and then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, hello, what, like, like the Queen. It's really weird. My accent changes wherever I go, so I'm trying to stick to my roots, the north of England. Not normally mid-show, though. Not normally mid-show. That doesn't seem... That's a new one. Yeah. But I don't know what's Let's happening. Let's make that an old one to never happen again. Maybe this is a new magic trick. 
Yeah, just circling back. It doesn't matter if it's performing for one person, sort of one-on-one like this, in this environment, or 16,000 people. The idea is to hook and captivate people, and if someone can leave and go going, wow, that was a moment that I'll remember forever, right. we've done our job. Right. Tick. <laughs> right. Well, listen, I'm not going to keep you guys much longer, but thank you very much. Thank you. I, I'm glad that you had a great time and also sharing your experiences of what it's been like to be behind the scenes over here and work yeah. with all these incredible cameramen and lights and sounds. I mean, these all guys are all... Yeah. Even people that welcomed us here today, the people that are on the doors checking us in, like the attention to detail and how they did it so fluidly and smoothly since from then to now, mm-hmm. I haven't got one complaint. And... Right. They do really good cookies here. Yeah, they've kept us hydrated with peach sparkling water, now, coffees. Tried, yeah, we've tried to be healthy prior to today. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had six cookies today. Well, That's well, too many. <laughs> they must have been really good. <laughs> they were really good. <laughs> really nice. And they're quite large. Yeah. Okay. But I'm, cookies. Yeah, and we're flying. We've got a flight later on tonight. I've got four more. Which <laughs> <laughs> oh, should yeah. last you till a little ways over. An hour, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Not going to make it home. <laughs> Listen, thank you guys very thank much. Thank you so much. Best of luck. I look forward to seeing you guys again in the future. So that was Natasha and Matthew, and known as The Conjurers. Thank you. <laughs> this is Scotty out. As we are going around here at the Masters of Illusion studio at the AET, I guess that's the Associated Entertainment... ATI. ATI, Associated Television International, that's what it is. Uh, Studio over here, a lot of things coming and going, people coming and going all day long, and one of the people who was performing was my good friend, if you'll please welcome Jonathan Levitt. Hey there, Jonathan. Hey there, Scott. Good to see you, man. And you too as well. What a show this has been. Now, you've been doing this... For many years, it's your first time, or been a while in between. Or? Yeah, it's been a while. Before. I, I did Masters of Illusion what twelve years ago or wow. so. That's yeah, before it was actually with the CW, I guess. Is that right? Um, you know what? I think that's right. I think it was on maybe TV or FX something? or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah something like that. Uh, but yes, so I did a, back then. It was fantastic. Had a great experience, and happy to do it again. Do you remember what you did? I do, I do. I did sanitize for your deception. I don't know if you know that. That's the kissing through the the, the yes. card of the wet nap routine. Yes. Yeah. I do remember that. Man, it yeah. seemed like it was yesterday. That was that's a pretty cool trick. I yes. know that was a long time ago. And people are still using that. They still are. <laughs> I I think actually, you know what? I have to tell you, I don't use that uh, as I really don't. I haven't done it since COVID. Because uh, because of the whole premise of it is a little weird. But as I recall, you're kissing on opposite sides of cards. You literally are touching. Is that right? Yeah. In a way, when when COVID happened, uh, first happened, I thought, well, this is the perfect trick for COVID. That's what I was thinking. Right. But uh, but I've pulled away from it. But guess, uh, maybe I'll go back to it. Because even though your faces are not touching, they are close to each other. What? Okay. That, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, uh, some people may not know what the heck we're talking about. Do you want to go through the effect just real briefly? <laughs> sure. Cards like uh, it is a card to impossible location. Yeah. But it's done under the premise of uh, of a DNA, uh, reading DNA off of a piece of glass. So we both end up kissing a piece of glass. But to but first we clean the glass using a wet nap. Boy, as I say it to you, I realize how ridiculous this sounds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, it was just a little bit too much inside baseball. I was afraid yeah, some people yeah. wouldn't know what we're going to be talking about over there. It is fun. Called uh, sanitized for your So when you were, yeah, I was thinking it was a car, but you're right, it was a glass that they were kissing on that. Yeah. Uh, so, so a number of years had passed in between. You came back to, to do this bit of a, a kind of a prediction effect uh, using yeah. a wardrobe kind of a thing. Basically. That's right. That's right. Really fun. I mean, I think fun. Uh, a uh, 
a uh, we're using a wardrobe full of a myriad of different pieces of clothing, mm-hmm. and uh, very colorful for television, I would think too. Very colorful. Hope, hope I think plays uh, I- I- interesting visual on stage. Uh, several other people from the audience are dressing um, a human mannequin, yeah, and uh, which ultimately ends up matching my prediction perfectly. I just gave it away, but that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your experience as far as the preparation for this? How long did it take you to come up with the idea and to work on this? I assume it's like a one-off kind of a thing. Um, it is. I, I started developing a routine uh, that I performed at the Magic Castle a few weeks ago in the parlor of Preston Vegetation uh, that involves. This premise, but in a in a different uh, different approach to it, with the with not needing a human mannequin okay. and not needing people f- uh, and not having a wardrobe rack, but still accomplishing a similar type of effect. And mm-hmm. I s- thought, well, how can I expand that out for TV to make it more interesting for TV on a stage? <clears throat> on a stage, so uh, that's what we did. Now we have a wardrobe rack of clothes and people up on stage, yeah. and it's a it's a uh, you know still ending up with the same prediction reveal. Uh, or the way that it's revealed, but uh, but I think fun and uh, yeah, one one off for this. I don't know that I'll I'll do it again. I might, I yeah. might, I'm, yeah. uh, I might, I might do it again. So it's several weeks in the making, obviously, for putting this thing. Yeah, together. you're trying to figure out the right approach to it, the right story. But, you know, right. it's it, working for TV is a very different thing, and how how do you get it into you know the timeline? And uh, yeah. we'll just talk about that briefly as well for people who may not do much television, but they want to get on TV, are there some pitfalls they should watch out for or talking to the cameraman or the, the director? Or what would you recommend? Yeah. If you can, <laughs> you should have enough. Uh, you know, uh, I've I've consulted on a lot of TV sh- or uh, a lot yeah, of... X-Files uh, and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and some other sh- hip-hop Houdini I was the consultant on, a couple of movies and a couple of show- TV shows and what have yeah. you. So, so uh, but my approach is that uh, is that uh, you tell everybody in production <clears throat> what the trick is mm-hmm. and how it works I mean this is the, now, now we're getting into a different topic of consulting I guess versus uh, preparing but what's also important is that there are no surprises if you can if you can mm-hmm. there should be no surprises for anybody on the production you set the battlefield say again you set the battlefield you set the battlefield exactly right so uh, how do they know what to shoot if you don't tell them what to shoot? Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. And uh, and so that and that that is that can be an issue at, at times, you know. And there, and I know that there have been magicians that have done some television. They do, they want to keep everything a secret, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not really conducive to them or the production. Because if you stop and think about it, the cameramen, don't care. This is just a job for them, and there's no right. reason to try to keep that a secret because. First of all, well, long story about why we keep secrets and your presentation is more important. But anyhow, uh, you should share that. So this way they put you in the best light, too. Briefly, and I mentioned this to someone else we were talking to earlier this week, uh, where I had a similar situation the first time I was on television doing Cups and Balls, and I hadn't talked, had not talked with the cameraman. And they were following my hands rather than my body language. And they, it was an instructional view as I loaded the cups, basically. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Let me show you how I did this. Yeah. So you, they, right, and you're right, they don't care about what the magic is they need to know and you want them to know what to shoot how to shoot it so that they're not they're not getting the wrong angles you're not flashing you're not exposing and so that's really important if you are able to do that now i will say in this production that luxury is not that was that would have been a a more of a luxury than we had time for 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so at this point, you know, they're shooting with so many cameras. They've done this for so many years. Uh, they, 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 they hope you, you hope that it's in their hands. They'll know what to shoot or some at least cut away to. Some cameras got it. Uh, and that's sort of what you have to go in with, which means then back to your original question, how do you prepare for something like this? You need to make sure something is absolutely scripted, tight, uh, you know where your marks are, and you keep it moving. Right. And I think for this type of production, that's what's important. Um, you know, you have a set period of time. You you can't just uh, improv with the audience the way you might want to. Mm-hmm. You know, the way you might want to do that in live performance. And you need to get there, hit your mark, get through the script, get through the routine, and get off. Had another point you hit on, I think, is interesting, and that is to make sure that you're going to be rehearsing that. Although you may not know what the stage conditions are going to be like until you actually get there, mm-hmm. but you do know the size if you can ask in advance. So when you're rehearsing, you're talking about hitting your marks and everything. You're now just on a different stage, doing the same thing that you already practiced in on your driveway or you know in the gymnasium or someplace else where you find a practice place because you're not going to be able to practice in the studio for for something you're going to do the next day or whatever so you need to practice wherever you normally practice but plan on that finding out in advance what the size of the studio area is where you're going to be performing and then you can uh, chalk that off to know exactly where you're going to hit your mark that would be the most ideal situation right no have a stage plot and know what the size of the stage is in this particular case i didn't know that going in mm. and it turned out to be a much tighter stage than i expected uh, but leading up to that it's exactly right. We have, we're, we're fortunate enough to have a, uh, an extra space in our house that acts as a studio. And so I was able to go in there, set up my iPhone as a camera, and walk through all of the blocking and the scripting of this routine. Yeah. And doing it over and over and over again. And then watching it on video as well to reinforce it mm-hmm. and to make sure that it all looks right. And, and then it's simply a matter of picking that up, putting it on this stage, and maybe making some slight adjustments the day of... Mm-hmm. Or the moment before, in this case, and and uh, and but but still, you're everything's scale scalable, and you're still running through the same blocking, the same that you know, same movement, and the same scripting, mm-hmm. and so you're going from A to to Z. You're just doing it right. as if you did it, and, and it is so important to, to do it over and over, like anything we do, but to be able to block it out in a space that's a little bigger and not just in your head or not just in a small room but really move through, physically move through your actions and where do your hands go and when do they pick up, in my case, the chalkboard. And right. you know, and, and I had to make an adjustment as well. I, I wanted to, I use a wardrobe, as we said, and my goal was to pull the wardrobe out with me on stage, but we realized in the moment right before we were shooting that that would take too much time. So we changed to let's leave it on stage and just move forward. Also, if I were doing this in a live situation, I might bring those four other people from the audience up to the stage. You might see that happening. Here, I made the choice to have them on stage from the start. For time. For time. So now there's, that's no, we can jump right into the routine. They can cut right to it. And uh, from another segment, they can cut right into my segment. And the people are already there. And then I acknowledge why they're there. <clears throat> so I make a reference to, we brought these people up from the audience. And that's all you need. You don't need to see them coming from the audience. So you want to be really cognizant of your time and uh, cut out all the fat. Right, right. 
because that's what they want is something's going to be quick on time and everything. If you want to have more stage time, I might take a tip from uh, Paul Daniels. I remember he was saying when he was going to be given X amount of seconds or minutes or whatever it was, he would say in the context of his performance, and then a little bit later, I'm going to show you such and such. And so he had a had a callback, and so those people in the production studio or in the uh, control room were saying, darn that guy, because we can't wrap it because he had said something's going to be happening later, and that hadn't yet happened. And then the context of that, he's going to say, and that will relate to something you'll see in just a few moments. And so, <laughs> very, <laughs> very tricky guy. <laughs> that is brilliant. That yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing also, going back to Masters, uh, you had a period of time in which you weren't on that, so this is a different studio that you were in. And you'd said, I think, when we were talking uh, off the mic earlier about how they had a rehearsal in the afternoon, then a live audience, then later that, that evening. We didn't have that luxury here. It was just an audience all day long. So Yeah, that's right. Were there differences? Or? Um, yeah. You know, we they, they shot the rehearsal, right, which we knew going in that that's what they would do. Uh-huh. So you had to be, be ready to do it as if that was your final performance. Mm-hmm. And knowing that we had a small audience there when I went on stage, but I know that the audience got smaller as it went on. Yeah. So you just have to be prepared to basically do it not relying on that feedback, feedback. that interaction. Yeah. And, and that's not easy to do always. But also, when you're limited on time, you sort of need to construct a routine that works for that and doesn't require that interaction. Uh, I mean, I, and I know some performers were using it to their advantage uh, to be able to use the people in the audience I chose not to do that mm-hmm. basically I could have done it with no studio audience at all except for the four people that were on stage with me and I would have been fine I had no interaction at all yeah. versus 12 years ago I did two segments for them and the second segment was in the audience and they in this show this season you know they they have people Chipper Lowell did a segment in the audience, and right. you know pe- people do segments in the audience too. So yeah, Dan Sperry also is sitting on the steps there, you know, with this. Yeah, right. So there, different people are doing uh, different approaches to it. But for me, I, I I knew I wanted to go in and not rely on any of that, yeah. and just know that I had my four minutes down cold, yeah. and I could go from you know from beginning to end and not not worry about it. I had one flub in the middle of my routine. I stumbled over a word. So I stopped and then reset the line from that moment. So right. they, they have everything they need to cut that out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's also part of it, too. If you've got everything down cold, you know exactly how to stop, right. go back, and redo because you're not searching for your words. Yep, good advice, good advice. Well, it sounds like a positive experience, yeah. and uh, we all look forward, I'm sure, to seeing this when it all gets aired, uh, later sometime, maybe this summer or so. I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be really fun. It's great to see you again, yeah, my friend. You too. So for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Jonathan Levitt. Scotty out. One of the people who was performing on this year's Masters of Illusion is someone who had flown in from Rome, Italy, and she is a superstar in, in so many different countries, and is I was really proud to work with her and get to know her a lot better. Please welcome Mae Wynn. Yes, I'm Mae Win. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here and love to 
share everything that everyone wants to know. Yes, and I, one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because you're one of the original people. Have been like from the very first one in 20 years ago. Yes, I started it with, with Gay Blackstone, and everything we did like uh, since 2003, we did a lot of TV special. Uh, the massive illusions, and I won so many um, um, magic. Uh, the the best female escape artist, oh seven, oh six, and uh, in different um, uh, award, mm -hmm. and also at the Magic Castle and the World Magic Award. That's great. That's great. And so you really travel all over the world. And different, but you're from Vietnam originally. Yes, original from Vietnam. Um, but I happened to work in Hollywood and here with Gay. And uh, we do travel in Europe, in Asia, and um, wherever it is that people love magic, we're there. Yeah, and you just wrapped uh, today with doing, what, like almost a dozen tricks or so, I think. Yeah, we did. We and... did. Oh, my God. In, uh, in one day, one... <laughs> we can say one day, we got rehearsal one day, we filmed the next day, yeah. and we got down, I think, um, six, six, seven... Uh, Close-ups and uh, four, five, four uh, big staging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. And we finished by four o'clock. Yes, <laughs> and I mean, we just came in and we say, first take, good, done, go on. I'm like, can we do more? <laughs> because I had so much fun. I it was a lot it. of fun. Yeah, this is this is all about. I love magic. I love to perform mm -hmm. it. I love the audience. I love everybody. Love magic. And it's been fun uh, spending time with you as well. Wynn, thank you very much. Wow. Good luck. Safe travels. Thank <laughs> you. Till next time. Till next time. <laughs> That's right. That was May Wynn, Scotty L. Well, here at the uh, ATI Studios, Associated Television International, we have uh, pretty much come to a wrap. We've uh, finished with the major recordings of uh, several busy full days and now just uh, a few fine-tuning and bringing some people back and some illusions and things that we're doing. And it's a good time to uh, speak with the executive producer. That's the EP of the uh, MOI, Masters of Illusion, Gay Blackstone. Hi, Gay. Hello there. Yes, it has been um, a long week. We were calculating at one point, but I will say the whole team is so tired, we weren't sure if we were right or not. I think in four days, we shot about 180 segments. Wow. Somewhere in that department. Where we'll have to evaluate it soon to figure out, because we have uh, 18 shows to do uh, in the series of Masters of Illusion. And then we have a Masters of Illusion uh, magical holiday show. So that's a full hour show, plus then the 18 in the series. So I don't, th I don't think we got enough, but it went by so fast. And, there was, and we had so many new people this year. Mm -hmm. And there was so much different and incredible talent that... Um, it was, you know, it was truly entertaining. Uh, was Lucy Darling uh, new for you this year? Yes, I, I've known I've known Lucy Darling for two or three years, but last year, of course, she was in Canada, mm -hmm. and we couldn't get people out of Canada to come and tape. Uh, and the year before, uh, she had a conflict. She was working in uh, at, um, in Nashville mm -hmm. during the time we were taping. Mm -hmm. So we've tried several times, and this is the first time that we got it all together. And um, 
it worked and worked very well. She is she is very clever. She's very creative. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, she she has developed her own character. Right. And um, it, it, when she was in the pre-production meeting that morning, she was not dressed, and therefore she was not in character. Right. Um, and and the, some some members of the crew had a little problem differentiating between the two <laughs> until they saw her dressed and in action. Yeah. And at that point, it was like. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. I think a lot of the audience would do that as well. So she was new, and approximately how many, or exactly, you know how many uh, talent, how many people were there in this year's uh, season nine? because we kept, there were some that were booked truly at the very last minute. Mm -hmm. Because of COVID that some had to cancel? Yes. We had had several people, even from Europe, that were scheduled to come in, Mm -hmm. and they got COVID, and are they are they at least put, tested positive, mm-hmm. so they couldn't get on a plane? Right. So, um, so there were a lot of last minute changes. We originally had booked about sixty five percent new people. Wow. I'm not sure by the end what it turned out to be because mm-hmm. most of the ones who couldn't come in tended to be more European and out versus closer proximity. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that was you know that was a, we had. Uh, we had a couple of people from Argentina that were booked to come in. We had a couple of people from Germany. Um, we actually had uh, three others from France. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this in this day and age, things happen, and you just have to be aware of it. You have to kind of go with the flow, certainly, in order to make the whole thing work. We, right. we had It worked in the opposite flow for one of our performers. He was scheduled to be on a cruise ship, mm-hmm. and the ship coming in had such a high percentage of COVID people on board that they locked it. And so he couldn't join the ship. So we got him instead. Since he was already here and had his stuff. Yes. (laughs) Worked out then to your benefit. Now, season eight actually has already been recorded in the can. That's going to play first before season nine. Yes. Why is that that eight was delayed? Um, Because CW this year tried a new format. And they tried doing scripted shows uh, during... A, a period and then saving the unscripted for the summer. We the we okay. We are an unscripted show, even though Dean Kane does the introductions, which are scripted, because all of our acts are just that. We do not tell them what to say. We do not tell them what to do. We're not saying to them, you know, this act is better than you are. It's an equal playing field from mm-hmm. the standpoint. If you're on Masters of Illusion, it's because you're good. You're entertaining you, but uh, it's not scripted. Where a show like Penn and Teller is in a different category because they're considered to be a scripted show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the, the uh, Academy of Arts and Sciences, uh, they pick the things and, and go from there. So, as I said, CW would try, was trying this season of what I would think of as school time uh, being oh, scripted. After and, school shows. And then the, su- yeah. well, not after school shows, but because uh, they don't have, that's not their styling of demographics. But then... Uh, and then having unscripted in the summer. Well, because they pulled a show, one show, so they put us in rerun, our reruns in. Hmm. So we have been airing like twice a week in, in a rerun position, filling in for other shows. So I'm, I'm not sure why they did all the reruns, and but season eight, from my understanding, will probably start in May and at that point. And uh, then they're also saying that season nine will be following it immediately. So, do I know? 
I don't know until really after it airs. <laughs> That's almost a half a year. So in other words, you got 18 episodes of season nine, followed by another 18 episodes. So yeah, you're going well past uh, half a year. <laughs> yeah, so it's... Mm-hmm. Well, and then it'll be time for Christmas for the special. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So because our Christmas special of this year, it aired on the day after Thanksgiving, and then it aired, I think, on the 22nd, and it had such good numbers that um, they said, you know, can you do another one? They didn't say that, however, until we were like two weeks into pre-production. Mm-hmm. So I had about two and a half to three weeks to pull everything together for the Christmas show that I did, mm-hmm. which is why... It has a it has a different flavor to it than your normal Christmas production. So uh, I will just have to tune in to see what that flavor is. <laughs> yes, they will. And this has been just a whole lot of fun being a part of this and seeing it from behind the curtain, literally, and uh, as well as being in front of the curtain and being in the audience and watching then as well. And you were in the what's called Video Village, which I think is kind of uh, interesting. Explain what that is. Well, and, yeah, because I think that one kind of surprised you. It did. Okay. Most of the time, executive producers are in the control room. Right watching at that standpoint. And one of the other, David Martin, he, uh, one of the executive producers, he was in the control room, but I never have been. David McKenzie, who is the number one executive producer, he has always had me, first of all, near the stage for both the magician's comfort and the stage managers. So if I need to change or do something quickly, I'm right there. Mm -hmm. We also, because we shoot with 11 cameras, we're not like most shows. Now, two of those cameras are uh, locked-off shots, so I don't even have to watch them because they're stayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is a steady cam. I only see the steady cam when it's shooting. But So, therefore, I have eight cameras that are on all the time that I am watching, and they are recording. So everything is being recorded. It's not that they're only being recorded when the AED pushes the button for, for that camera. So I'm watching everything on in the video village where my eight cameras are up i see also what the program is and what the pre-program is mm-hmm. so i know what the director's cut is looking it's at which what i see and what i don't see if something i see that i like really well uh, my assist one of my assistants is there who's doing the timings of each act and things and if i'm saying at one point you know camera 6 or if i'm seeing another camera that you know oh I don't know what two is doing, but they're, you know, so I'm cutting out cameras or adding things that is not necessarily the director's cut, but that I'm seeing that are better shots mm-hmm. uh, for, for many reasons, you know. So you're not just the EP, executive producer, but you're also the director in a way. Well, I'm not the director per se, but I am the creative director. Okay. So I am the creative ones so that when it goes in and they start, I have a vision of what certain things should be, mm-hmm. and my vision is not necessarily what the editor's vision is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like their vision better. Sometimes mine is better. So, you know, this is it. We, we kind of do different things from that standpoint. It's a very different show than many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the pandemic, for instance, because I normally sit with the editors a lot while they're editing, but couldn't do that. So, therefore, they would send me the link and on my 65-inch television, I would watch and edit from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, where typically there's two or three of us that are in the room together watching. But this was this was quite different because I was really watching all by myself and making the notes, and you know, then sending them back. Um, 
because um, do you find this uh, uh, better or worse or harder or easier to deal with since you're recording in 4k now i mean it is somewhat difficult i'm sure with some things and better with others so uh, i'm curious as a ep and also the creative director of, of seeing that and having done this for 20 years it, kind of how that's evolved and what do you think well, about that in reality magic is best seen with the candlelight uh, footlights that you uh, in the old opera houses mm -hmm. soft warm lighting is the best for magic mm -hmm. unfortunately most things are cool leds now mm -hmm. so the lighting is very very tough um hd in general is you know is very tough on people um there's nothing that they it doesn't miss mm -hmm. and the fact that not only does it not miss the wrinkle on your skin, it doesn't miss the thread. Mm -hmm. It doesn't miss um, the little uh, handle that's kind of in black that you think wouldn't show up. Right. All it's not those, forgiving. It is not forgiving by any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So it makes it makes the magic much tougher. Um, and so when people are preparing for television, and not just for masters, that's what I wanted to hear you talk about. So as they're preparing on TV, to think about not only talking to the cameraman to make sure they get the right shots and everything in the director, but also be aware of what they you think they may not see, but because of the higher definition and the 4K, they will see. Yeah, there, there's a credibility in magic that you must have. Mm. And now because of the difference in the 4K and the, and the HDs and all the various things, it makes everything so much tougher because they see things that really have no relationship. Somebody has uh, a, 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 a female with long hair. Mm -hmm. She has three hairs that have come out that are still stuck to her outfit. <laughs> and they're saying, oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, look, at it. it's all exposed. It has nothing to do with the magic. It's just that she's shedding. You know, and yeah. so or she has a dog. She has a dog. <laughs> I mean, these are things that become very different and and much more difficult, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in the things because people think they see things. Mm, that's a good point. You know, and because unfortunately, our audiences will go through a show frame by frame wow. because they can. Sure, they can. And um, and then post it on YouTube and highlight it and circle it and say, "Here's how this trick is done." Yeah, and much of the time. It's not how the trick is done. Right. You know, so it, it's, it's a difficulty that we have that people tend not to want to suspend their imagination uh, and just have enjoyment versus it's not that they want to know how it's done for the sake of learning. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to point their finger and go, ah, oh, yada, yada, yada. I know how they do this. And, it's, mm -hmm. you, know, and you don't. Well, right. it, it's back to our... Lack of manners that we've suddenly gone to. Not That's suddenly. just a society. But yeah, society in general has lost graciousness, manners, kindness. Mm -hmm. um, all these words that make us, first of all, a very strong nation mm -hmm. and, and a world country to be looked up to. Exactly right. And, um, um, as we start to wrap up, and we have the season as well, what I was going to ask you what was the most challenging thing, but I'm sure you had one challenge after another. And I know in, in being around you, you have multiple fires that are putting out. <laughs> I can't believe how you're balancing certain things. And But anyhow, yeah, what about that? What were some of the challenges? Um, we had, I can't use names, but we had mm. one new act 
which I had never met, who were doing a very dangerous act. Mm -hmm. And apparently the night before they had a fight. And that morning, one of them came to me at 8 a.m. and said, well, we won't be performing because we'll never perform together again. We hate each other. It's like, okay. (laughs) And he said, I hope it won't make a difference in the show. Well, A, yes, it will make a major difference in the show. And B, you have a contract to be appearing back in Las Vegas tomorrow night. Uh, What are you going to be doing about that? And, you know, so I had him get his partner on the line. She was still at the hotel. Wow. And we talked about what had transpired. Mm -hmm. And yet the fact that they were both professionals and neither one of them wanted to destroy a career because of this. And so we talked for quite a little bit of just settling down. And, you know, I said, however, unless you both tell me you have respect and trust for each other, we won't do this. Because by that point, they were realizing the, um, I was going to say the writing on the wall, but maybe that wouldn't be, the, the dollar signs in the air. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, I said, I, I, you know, I said, I'm going to go do some other things. And I'm going to check back with you in a couple of hours. Make your own decision. And, yeah. you know, we'll, we will talk at that point. Yeah. Because I have to feel that you're both going to be safe. Because the last thing in the world I want is for either one of you to get hurt. Right. That's, you know, that would not... I said, no matter how much we want you on the show, that would not be something, you know... And I said, and we take every safety precaution we can, as opposed to other shows that haven't... And people have gotten severely injured. Yeah. So, you know, knock on wood, we have never had a serious accident on any of our sets. Mm-hmm. You know, because we really do. I mean, it's, even though we're scheduled to do something quickly, if if there's a question about any of the safeties on it or anything, we do not do it. One, no, of, the, one, one of the things that we also don't do, uh, which makes us a little old-fashioned, but it really doesn't, is the fact that many, especially the trick scenarios are done on computers, and they're pre-programmed. So, you know, if it normally is the fact you do this escape in four seconds, then it's programmed for, you know, 4.2 seconds. Mm -hmm. We do it all manually. Hmm. So then there's not a button pushed for two cars to slam together because they were scheduled to slam together in 10 seconds. So if... If the performer is not out of the straitjacket and it takes 12, then nothing is pushed until we know the safeties in it. And it's a personal thing, not um, a tech scenario. And um, I know this year another one of the challenges was, of course, COVID, as you've been talking about all this. But also as the volunteer and, and uh, I should say the audience members uh, had to go through COVID tests every day, everybody. Yes, I mean— And of course, masks and everything. Yeah, no one is immune. But, and because California has stricter rules than other places, we had to adhere to the California state rules. We had to adhere to the union rules, Mm -hmm. uh, the the IATSE rules. You know, one of my stage managers was doing this, but he was also a union stage manager. And he said, if I test positive, I'm then out for 10 days. There is no question. Mm -hmm. So... We we adhered to all the rules in all the different locations, and so did our um, quote unquote audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they were tested also. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they were able to, when they were watching the actual show, they didn't have to wear their mask, but they were able to do that because every single day we tested the audience. Hmm. So, you know, we knew at that point if anybody had anything showing up, you know, yeah. we we Didn't had it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I also, and again, as we wrap up, have, I heard you many times laughing over <laughs> to the side. We were watching some of the acts and everything, and they were just cracking you up, and I could hear the rest of the stage crew and everything back there as well laughing. Is there something that you can talk about or someone or something that uh, stands out as being funny or fun? Yes. <laughs> Dan Sperry. Now, <laughs> You wouldn't think of him normally being funny, but... <laughs> well, and now you have to realize also, because we understand that the attention span of Americans mm-hmm. is pretty short. Mm-hmm. So we typically ask the performers not to go over four and a half minutes. because And first of all, I want them to edit their own material instead of me, mm-hmm. because then it's all... So, you know, four, four and a half minutes, sometimes something will go to 5.45, but it's rare. Okay. Dan started doing this bit, and then there was a start-over point. Although he didn't really stop, it was just a start-over point. And he was going on and on and on, and I was laughing so hard. I had tears at one point because I was laughing so hard. And from the booth, I was getting questions like, do we have any idea how much longer this is going to go before it wraps up? But they were all laughing, and I I said, no. I don't have a clue. I mean, I know what it should be, but that's certainly not what it what it's going to be. And and I've seen him do the routine before, mm. but never this funny. I mean, as it turned out, it wound up going eleven minutes. Wow. Now wow. it it will get cut down some because otherwise that's half a show. Yeah. You know, uh, but it will still. I seriously doubt it'll be under eight minutes because. Everything about it was working. Yeah. It, I mean, that was it. it. Everything about it was clicking. Everything about it was working. The audience was having a great time. Anyone listening. The, the, Dean Kane was sitting right behind us, too. He was just chortling. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dean. Yeah, Dean was laughing. Yeah, that that was it. You know, the control room. Mm. You know, the director is laughing. You know, I mean, it was like we were all just enjoying clean, but very, very funny comedy. Mm-hmm. Yes, there were some double entendres. Yeah. Okay, but still, you know, it was it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely one of those brilliant pieces of comedy yeah. and magic that were all working. Yeah. And it's interesting, even when you get people who are pros who've done the same act virtually for 20 years, and it's a comedy act. Okay, it there's times that it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's just... The nature of whatever, but this piece, I mean, it was there. There wasn't. There was not a line in it that didn't work, mm-hmm. and um, that was it, it's phenomenal in itself. And of course, Dan is talking so quickly and moving and everything else. And you know, it, that's one, why it's going to be hard to edit. <laughs> and at one point, my director said, "We've got all this." He said, "I just stopped trying to call it." Because he said, you know, I was missing shots because I thought he was going to one place and he didn't. So he said, we'll just, we'll clean up the shots when we're in edit because, you know, they couldn't keep up with it. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, Gay, congratulations on this ninth season. I know we just got a few more things we're fine tuning over the next couple of days. And then you go on tour. 
I leave next Monday, the 21st, uh, with the show to go on tour. We are out for three weeks. Uh, we are in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, the villages in Florida. You know, we're in several places in Florida. It's, you know, it, it's, it's a, um, it's an East Coast, it's an, truly an East Coast tour. Mm-hmm. And um, when I heard that uh, Michigan was four degrees couple days ago and I thought and we're in Washington DC I thought why did they book these locations you know uh, but Live Nation did and, and they're great theaters and I'm looking forward to seeing friends everywhere and that's some, the thing I miss who are some of the people who are on, on the uh, tour um, this particular tour is going to have Dan Sperry mm-hmm. and it will have uh, it will have uh, Jonathan Pendragon and it will have Michael Turco. Mm-hmm. So they're three extremely diverse performers. Right. You know, Michael is Michael is classic, but but with popular music and you know rock things and you know very very hip hop and things. So his his are classic things, but done very very new and modern. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan is classical Jonathan. Right. Uh, and then uh, Dan Sperry is. Uh, is Dan Sperry. Is Dan Sperry. <laughs> so these are three very, very distinctive personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's going to make the, it's. I'm actually so looking forward to it because it's going to be so much fun with this group that. Um, Sounds it, like fun. And it's our and we have one of our we have one of our regular truck drive bus drivers that we like a lot and um, you know so it's um, and we'll we'll be cold and then we'll be down in Florida where it's warm so. We're, we're making the gamut. <laughs> From hot to cold and cold to hot. That yes. sounds great. Well, again, this has been just a, a lot of fun, great season, and I hope that all the listeners – really got a lot out of this also from hearing something from behind the scenes that you really don't get to see by having unrestricted access and full access to everything so thank you very much for letting me be able to do all of this Kay. i appreciate that a lot too so well you're just welcome and i know i know everyone was enjoying seeing you there so um you know in fact years ago jeff mcbride dubbed our tapings a little mini magic convention you know so um (laughs) We, 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 try to have, we try to have a good time with it also. We did. That was so much fun. Well, again, thank you very much. So for the Magic Word Podcast and Masters of Illusion, be sure and tune in at the CW. <laughs> that was Gabe Blackstone. This is Scotty out. Wow, how great was that? I hope you guys had as much fun listening to this as I did recording it. To be in the moment with everything like this going around, uh, it was just, it was so much fun. It was really cool. And again, I hope that you got that feeling as you listened to last week's and this week's episode. I thank you for coming back from week to week uh, to listen to these episodes. It means a lot to me. And I also like to chronicle what's happening, not just in my magic life, but in magic in general with all of these conversations with conjurers, which we will return next week with someone completely different. And this is someone I had talked to during uh, uh, the time I was in Quebec for FISM earlier this year. So it's been sitting there for a while, kind of sitting and stewing and cooking, and it is simmered to a boil where it is ready to go and hot and ready for you to enjoy next Thursday morning. So be sure to come back and uh, listen to that episode. And if you don't know who it is, then you probably haven't subscribed to our pod letter. And if you haven't, then please go to the 
themagicwordpodcast.com, and there you can find a link where you can subscribe and you can find out from week to week who's going to be our guest that week, who's coming up next week, and also suggestions from the archives. So until next week, stay well, get booked, and as I said last week, (laughs) be a master. This is Scotty out. 